morning. Everyone, welcome from my side. Thank you, band, just for a great time of, of worshiping together. And um, you know, really, uh, when Rudo started now giving just that testimony, got a bit emotional there. But yeah, just thankful and uh, looking back to um, the church, what role the church has played in my life. And uh, this morning, we are continuing with our value series. Now, uh, for those who do not know me, my name is Gideon, and I'm usually at the evening center, but last week we had the introduction, and uh, it was great to be in front, but for those who don't know me, I've been part of this family for about uh, seven to ten years, um, somewhere there, but what I'm thankful for is that I was actually invited to this church by a family member, by my brother, um, so it's really thankful to be there, but what I appreciate about the morning specifically, this morning service, is every time you come here, there's families, there's children running around, and you get the sense of, of, of laughter and joy and, and kids. So it's really, really a privilege for me and my wife every time to come here and to see how fathers are leading their families. So really well done uh, from my side. It's really an honor to, to know you guys and to get to know you. And um, this value of... This last value that we're talking about is called family. It's one of our core values, but what we usually mean with this is, is physical family, that we value family, physical family. The way that God has uh, seen reconciliation come through this world is through healthy physical families, that we can see that society is actually being built up by healthy physical families. Now, this morning, we're going to transition more to speak about the value of spiritual family, and, and we're going to talk about God's family, because it's really His family. It's not our family. I do say there's a, there's a bit of a hum. I'm also hearing it, Rita. Is it just me? The hum in my voice. <laughs> just me. Is it in my head? Okay. That's okay. No, Sean is doing all, all that she can. So uh, this value of family, we're going to focus this morning on spiritual family. But I quickly want to recap, because if we don't understand all the other values, how are we going to understand this, this last value this morning? So first off, Rudo, start the sermon series with why values? Why, why do we value values? And, and, and values really determine the decisions we make. So if you value something, you're going to do whatever you do to, to make sure this value is part of your life. So then... Donnie went through Lordship and spoke about the preeminence of Christ, all about Jesus being uh, the, the center and the, the, the start and the finish. And we're going to speak about that today as well. Then evangelism, discipleship, and then last week, leadership. And all these values built on each other, but the starting point is the Lordship of Christ. And uh, as I was preparing for this um, this sermon, uh, I, I wanted to put up a photo of a perfect family. And uh, I, I struggled to find a perfect family. <laughs> that is me and my wife. Now, we, we are not the perfect family. So if you have a, maybe a photo of a perfect family, uh, I can do that. I can use your photo for tonight, uh, preaching again. So, so we all agree that there's not really a perfect family. It's not really such thing as a perfect family. And uh, why is it? It's because we are not perfect people. So even though we are in a family, we do have our mistakes, we still grow, uh, but we have a, a view, a, a vision for where we are going to grow to. And the title for this morning is Why God's Family, why God's family is for Everyone. 
And the scripture that we're going to use to get into that is Ephesians 2, verse 17 to 22. And we're going to read that together. It's going to be on the screen, but I also want to invite you to read with me. Uh, before we get there, just the Ephesians church is actually quite a cool book to read because there wasn't this massive issue that uh, Paul had to solve. Like if you read Corinthians, you get an idea something went wrong in the Corinthian church. There's correction, there's a lot of improvement, a lot of speaking truth. But with the church in Ephesus, they did have challenges, but there wasn't a specific problem. And then what Paul is focusing his attention to is remember Jesus, remember uh, how you should live, the unity of the body. So we get actually like this, this edifying kind of book. And the reason why uh, Ephesians is also, I believe, unique is that the sense that there's, there was quite a diverse group of people, and he also speaks into that. Like there was, uh, it was like close to a harbor, and there was like different kinds of people in the church. And uh, Paul is then writing to this church, encouraging them. And it's most likely that he's, that he's uh, almost like on his way into a prison or in a prison as he's writing this letter. So why God's family is for everyone. So we're going to read together from verse 17 to 22. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Can we pray together? His Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We just acknowledge again this morning that your word is, is God-inspired and it's profitable for teaching, reproof, for training in godliness and in correction. Lord, I pray that you would lead us into that, that you would come and do as your word uh, does. It won't Nothing that you have spoken, Lord, will, will, will fall void, Lord, but I pray that you would come and bring it to completion this morning. Lord, I pray that you would this morning be established in the value of spiritual family in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why spiritual family? And this, this scripture jumps a bit into, uh, it feels like we're jumping into the middle of the chapter. We, we really are because it's, it's from verse 17. But my first Point, and I'm going to give three principles this morning on, on why is God's family for everyone. Now, the first one is God's family is open for everyone. And that maybe sounds like a, a normal statement, but God's family is open for everyone. In verse 17 to 18, it says, And he came and preached peace to those who were far off and peace to those who were near. So what Paul is actually saying is it's for everyone. Now, the scripture actually speaks about there, if you read uh, the New Living Translation, it gives you some details. Actually, speaking to the Gentiles, those who were far off, and the Jews, those who were near. And I'm going to get into that, but the, the church, God's family, is open for everyone. Now, I cannot choose to be part of the Stain family. Like, I'm a Zeeman. I can't be, like, I can't choose, like, Rudo looks like he has a great family. Uh, Rudo, can I... 
become part of, no, I can't become part of the Alice family or, or any, I can't choose just to become part of your family. I can't. Like, I can be a visitor and I can be a friend, but I cannot become part of your family. And the statement that God's family is open for everyone, I see that God has made a way for everyone to become part of his family. Now, that is a, that's good news, right? It's good news because we can all participate in God's family. But there's a challenge to this because now it's not just my, it's not just a Zerman that's coming into God's family. It's now, now I need to spend time with the Alice's as well. I need to spend time with someone else. Now we're getting into a diverse group of people coming together. And Paul then spoke into that, like everyone that's far off, the, the Gentiles and the Jews. Now, the reason why Paul is using that language is that the Jews had an understanding that the gospel or what Jesus is doing is for them. They are close. They've been, it's part of their bloodline. It's part of their culture. It's part of what they are hoping for. And they always thought that it's only for the Jews, only for our culture. So when Jesus came and said, this is good news for the Gentiles as well, it was an offensive statement because they, wanted, they didn't want that, those people to become part of us. And this thing about it's good news for those who are far off and those who are near is that it's good news. Because we were actually, most of us in this room would be considered the Gentiles. Now Gentiles really like, the, like non-Jews if you want to put it plainly. Like we are those who are far off. But we almost use the same mindset that we, we think the gospel is easier for those who have grown up religiously. We almost think like if you've grown up religiously, you've grown up in a traditional environment, and, and my mother, she, she was faithful, and uh, she always preached the gospel. I can remember from a young age, I never listened to her, but she did do her part. Um, and I, I'm sorry, Mom, uh, if you're listening to this, that I didn't listen earlier. But the good news, like, we almost think like this, it was easier for me because I came from a religious background. And it's almost like we're limiting God's power when you have that assumption. When you have that thing like, it's only for this kind of people that we are open, that's open to the gospel. And maybe there's someone in your life that you think, yes, this guy, he has a long way to go before receiving the gospel. Maybe someone, maybe it's someone from a different background, a different culture, a different uh, class that they're staying in. And you're almost thinking, this guy is far Uh, Maybe I should spend time with the guy that is near. But the good news is that the church is open for everyone. And when when Paul is saying this, that he's inviting them, those who are far off, those who are near, that through him, through Christ, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. You see, it, it would be difficult to invite someone to your family to become part of, but God is inviting someone a person to become part of his family, where he is the father. We want to take that concept that is open for everyone, that that's the good thing about church. It is not just like any other club. It's not like a running club that you can join, you pay money, and then you are part of this running club. Uh, Yes, we do pay tithes, but it's not so that you can be part of this family. That's not why we pay tithes, anything. And the reason why I say that is because we sometimes treat church like a club. 
It's something that you can join and then you, you, something happens and you, then you unjoin and you go to the next running club because they just take a better route um, and maybe there's co free coffee at the end. Um, so you, you look at what's your preferences when joining and unjoining this club. But when God said that we are forming part of his household, his body, his church, then it's not just a club. It is not a club, but it is a family. It's not a, just an organization. It is a family. It's a body that we are added to. And it is not just for those that's part of us as a family, but also those who are not yet part. That is for those who are near and those who are far. The Jew, the Gentile, those who are in this room and those who are outside of this room. This church is open for everyone. God's family is open for everyone. So, that is why God's family is for everyone, because it is open for everyone. But that doesn't mean everyone accepts this invitation. It is not a, it's not like, it's not an easy invitation. It's a sacrifice. It's a cost. And uh, even this morning, you came to church, and it is cold. <laughs> it is like, Ruda joked with me, I'm usually the one in the team that's the coldest. So I usually put on the most layers. Uh, so I'm really thankful for those heaters. Really thank, thank you, Power Team. Uh, so, second principle. First one, God's family is open for everyone. Second one is that God's family is Christ-centered. Now, when it says there that it is built on the foundations of the apostles, the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole body, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Now, you've maybe heard this concept, Christ-centered, and you've maybe heard of preaching about cornerstone. Maybe just a reminder that the, the purpose of a cornerstone, especially in the, in the ancient times, they would take this, it should have been the most solid, most accurate block of square stone that they would have received or, or would have worked on, and they would have placed it in a corner, and this cornerstone would be the most solid stone of the whole building. So it would define the stability of the structure. Now, not only is it defining the stability, but, so it stabilizes, but it also helps the other stones in how to be aligned to this cornerstone. So it was like a, almost like a guide to where the stones should be laid and how it should be laid, but also it was a, also a guide for the workers on how to lay the stone. So once the cornerstone is placed, then all the other stones would be, would be laid. And then it, it, it stabilizes and it guides and it aligns this whole structure. Now, if the cornerstone was of low quality, it actually defined the quality of the whole building. So your cornerstone was the most expensive time and effort, and then it defines the building structure. So if we imagine the structure that God has decided, or the cornerstone that God has decided to be for His body, for His church, His structure, is Jesus. Now, that is quite a very expensive cornerstone to choose. So that defines the quality of the building. That defines the, the projection of this building. There's, the, there's a focus, and that is to be like Christ, like Jesus is the cornerstone. So what, what that means in our life is Jesus is the, if Jesus is the cornerstone of our lives, whatever decision we make, whatever thing we do, whatever idea we have, we take that idea and we, we put it in place, and we, we see how is this measuring to the cornerstone. Now, whatever you are measuring to, it's going to define, am I accurately in line? Am I aligned? Is this going to be 
what Jesus wants? Is it going to be a direction? Is it going to be alignment to Christ or um, something else? Now, you can decide what have you been aligning your life to? Is it your own cornerstone or is it Christ as the cornerstone? Now, what this means in terms of the church is that God said, and there was a moment between uh, the disciples when, when people asked uh, one another, like, who is Jesus? And then uh, Jesus asked Matthew, now, who do you say? And then Simon Peter answered this, and it's going to be on the screen in Matthew 16. He said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood is not revealed to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I tell you, Peter, you, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Just again, the foundation, the rock that Jesus is referring to is the conviction of who Jesus is. And that Jesus said, like, this is what my church will be built on, that Jesus is the Messiah. He is our Savior. That is the foundation of the church. The church is or should be Christ-centered. And whatever we do should be aligned to that and what he's saying to them, like, it doesn't matter what your foundation is. If it is not Christ, it is a false foundation. And when we reflect on, is the church Christ-centered, what we also can ask is, is this church reflecting Jesus? Is it showing the life of Jesus? Is it revealing the truth and the grace and the, 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 the life that Jesus lived? Is it worth that life? Is it living it out? Is it Christ-centered? Now, that's quite a high standard if you think of your own life. Like, how are you doing with that? And when I'm saying this, we are actually a part, like the, the body is built up of different parts, and you're playing your part. Like, how are you doing as an individual with measuring up to Christ? And that's a high standard, and, and we need to have it as a high standard. But, but as a church, we are not as authentic as we would like to be. We have some awesome testimonies of where spiritual family has served and come in, but that's not experience for everyone. Not all of you have this great experience of church. Not, we, we do make mistakes. You make, we, we make mistakes. We all make mistakes. And we are not as authentic, not as loving, not as benevolent, not as socially responsible. We don't care for the poor as God has called. We are, we are not like this. And it, we, we don't want to use that as an excuse. I don't want to use that as an excuse. But we are not there yet. And then Jesus being the cornerstone, but he is really pointing us to where we want to be. And whatever your focus is, whatever you are pointing yourself to, whatever you are aligning yourself to, that is going to define who you're going to become. And that is the, the good news, is that it is not really about us being authentic. <laughs> we can grow in it, but I've had this many discussions when we reach out on campus and friends, and like, it's this common statement that the church is hypocritical. And because we preach a lot of things, but we don't live it out. Now, there's a place where we should obey the word. But the church's focus is not to point to us and say, what are we, how are we doing? But the point really of the church is to worship God. And what we should say, yo, we are hypocrit hypocritical. But the cornerstone isn't. 
is that Jesus, he is the perfect image of God, and he lived the perfect life. So yes, we are not as authentic, but Jesus was. He is the most authentic being that ever walked on this earth, and we get to know him. The church, God's family, is Christ-centered. It is open for everyone. It is Christ-centered. But then third, the church, God's family, it is a work in progress. Amen? It's a work in progress. Ephesians 2, verse 22, it says there, In him you also have been built together into a dwelling place by God, for God by the Spirit. Now, the, the words that we see in this piece, not only in this verse, that we are being built together, we are being joined. There's, a, there's an alignment, there's a, there's a coming together, and there's a forming that's happening. There's this continuous sense that we see here that God is building us into His family, into uh, what He wants us to be, to be Christ-centered. And uh, this is good news. And, and the reason why I'm saying that is that if, we, if the church, if God's family is a work in progress, then we are all welcome. And the reason why I said it, let's say it was perfect and you would come in, it would make the whole thing unperfect. Okay, because any perfect people in here. So what that means is like you can come anytime into the church because we're all a work in progress and we can come just as we are. We don't need to get all our facts straight, all our ducks in a row, all the T's crossed and the I's dot, dotted. Um, thanks, Kate. Um, we don't need to have everything sorted out. And when the church is a work in progress, when God's family is a work in progress, we can come in anytime. But when you are coming in, you are in. And you are part of the church. And we are a work in progress. Now, this work in progress is, is very interesting because we are, as we are a work in progress, we are still being formed into the dwelling place of God. And you don't have to be perfect to join church, to join family. You can, you can come in as you are. The scripture it speaks about how God is forming us is in Second um, Corinthians 3 verse 18. It says, And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the, the Lord, who is the Spirit. So what that scripture is saying is, as we are beholding Jesus, the the cornerstone, as we are beholding Him, as we focus, as we worship, as we put our attention to Him, our lives align to Him, He is then forming us into His likeness. And this is a, a, a miracle that happens when, by God's grace, we are being transformed into the image of God. And as we align ourselves to this cornerstone, the Spirit does something. And the beauty of this thing is that, that the, it's God's family, He is the Father, we see the work of the Son, but we also see the Holy Spirit's process in this, that the Holy Spirit is forming us to become like Him. God's family is a work in progress. And um, I am thankful for this because when I think back when um, my family, as my, my mom, as I said, always shared the gospel and she invited us to church and we went to church and we went to a lot of churches. Um, but, but I'm thankful for the role she played in getting me to church. I know there's... 
uh, I was raised in my mom's house. My parents divorced, so my mom was taking responsibility to get us to church. And the, almost like the shortcomings that I experienced in my physical family, I, I felt filled with spiritual family. And so what I mean by that is, even though I didn't live with my father, I had great examples of fathers. And it's the same in spiritual family. Even now, like we, my wife and I got married almost three years ago, and now we see in spiritual family, what, what are you doing as, as fathers and, and, and um, husbands? We don't have family yet, but there's good examples in church. And as I'm allowing myself to get input, so there's some moments where there's been some hard feedback, uh, where we go sit in someone's house and we open up our lives and saying, listen, this is where we are struggling, our marriage. And then there's input because we are allowing ourselves and we acknowledge we are a work in progress. And I'm thankful for spiritual family and how it has filled the gaps that spiritual family has left. Now, I know that's not maybe everyone's experience, but for us to become part of family, you need to become part of family. For you to experience family, you need to become part of family. And uh, if you're visiting us here today, welcome. Uh, hope it's been a good service for you. But you need to choose. Where is God adding you? You need to pray about it. Where has God added you? If, if this is your church, welcome. Um, but if it's a church in a different place, different location, go there and anchor and open up yourselves. And I've seen that for a long time in my life, I tried to protect myself, tried to Make it as if I'm, I've got it sorted out, and uh, I don't. And what I've seen, I've benefited from family from the point I said, I don't have it all sorted out, please help me, like, please speak into my life. And that means you're opening yourself to feedback, you're opening up yourself to some crucial conversations about input that's being given to you. And um, that's why God's family is a work in progress, and we're all working in this together as, we, as we're pointing ourselves to Jesus. Now, the question really is, like, are you participating in God's family? Are you, are you serving? Are you involved? Are you opening up yourself? And uh, many times, we, it's so easy for us to complain about something like, there's only three heaters here and maybe a fourth one would <laughs> be good, um, symmetric, um, that, that warmer, um, it would have helped. So many times we almost like think about the, the church should do this or the church should add another heater. Or, that's not a very plain example, but we almost think like what the church should fix. But when that language reveals about how we see the church. Is it, is it the something I go to or is it something I'm a part of? This is, this is our church. And uh, you, if you're not in this church, you are part of a church. If you're visiting from another church and asking the question, are you allowing yourself to be part? And that means that you're going to take ownership for God's family. Another way it's like to participate is to, to, to speak truth. Is there something in this family that, that you just don't feel right about to go to that person and to speak to them about it? Uh, we see the model where Jesus said, like, go to someone like, Speak honestly, speak truthfully, and speak lovingly. But we need that to, in order to grow. And uh, just practically on family, but taking the three principles back, that God's family, it is open for everyone. 
Secondly, God's family, it is Christ-centered, and God's family, it is a work in progress. And I wish I could say that this church is perfect. I wish I could put a church family photo up there and say this is a perfect family. But what I'm thankful for that we are worshiping a Savior who is perfect. And this church doesn't need people that looks like, that, that's like Jesus. We already have one Jesus. We just now need worshipers of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can we participate in family? I want to take a moment to, to pray into this. And I know people are in different spaces, uh, different relationships. Uh, maybe you feel alone in this family or in church family in general. And, um, I, want to, I want to ask us to pray together. And I'm going to ask for a few responses this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for every person that's standing here. Thank you that you see everyone's heart. Thank you for your value of family and that we can be part of, of your family, God. Thank you that you are a good father to each and every one of us, Lord. And help us to, to align ourselves to Jesus, to the cornerstone, every decision, every action that is aligned to you. In Jesus' name, amen.